As of this recording, it has been roughly 12 hours since the last mass shooting in the United States, which is, I mean, and look, here's the thing. This probably won't even make national news. All right. There was uh, a shooting at a hookah lounge in Las Vegas on the day that I am recording this. Um, At least one person was killed. 13 people were injured. All right. Uh, There was a mass shooting the day before in Baton Rouge, Rouge, Louisiana. Another one uh, the day before that in San Antonio. Uh, Just mass shootings happening a lot in uh, the United States. But we're not talking about uh, uh, any of that today. We are going to look at two different stories from other mass shootings uh, going on, uh, one in Australia and one in England. Uh, If you've got opinions about gun control, you're probably not going to like this episode. It's Our Weird World. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and today looking at the stories of Martin Bryant and Michael Ryan. Um, Two different stories, uh, one in Australia, one in England, both about uh, some mass shootings, some massacres that took place. And, um, you know, look, here's the thing. I'm going to talk about gun control. But don't like I'm not going to get super political about it. I mean, at this point in the show, I think you realize uh, I am going to generally make fun of both sides uh, because for whatever reason, we have taken this uh, angle as a country where uh, both sides will submit an opinion and it will be the most like extreme side of each side. There's not, and and it's a it's a false dilemma fallacy if there ever was one where uh, you're presenting two solutions to an issue as if it was black and white, and not really understanding that the actual solution is probably somewhere in the middle. And uh, that's kind of where I am. I kind of sit in the middle. I watch both sides make idiots of themselves. But um, the one of these stories in particular actually led to a lot of gun control, gun reform. Um, and look, spoiler alert, it was in Australia. Australia has not had a huge history of gun violence since this event took place. And we're going to look at it and we're going to, you'll see why. Um, the other event also just uh, a crazy, uh, story. And then I will kind of share my thoughts on gun control because I know that's what you guys want. All right, let's get into story time. Martin Bryant was born on May 7th, 1967 in Hobart, Tasmania. Uh, He spent most of his childhood on the beach, but didn't really make him the relaxed, carefree sort of person that most people who live on the beach typically are. Um, As a child, he constantly like broke his toys and referred to by his mother as annoying and different, which is that's the kind of glowing review you want from your mother. Uh, in other instances, Bryant uh, pulled the snorkel off of a boy's face while they were diving in an attempt to drown him. Uh, he would often cut down his neighbor's trees. He would torture animals. So, you know, he's like he's on a good track. All right. After leaving school in 1983, Bryant was recommended for a disability pension. Uh, he had an IQ of 66 and his psychiatrist noted that he may have schizophrenia. 
Uh, he tried to hold a job, but often just really annoyed his coworkers so much that he was forced to quit. In 1987, Bryant met 54-year-old Helen Mary Elizabeth Harvey, who was an heiress to the Tattersall Lottery fortune, which I don't know anything about the Tattersall Lottery, but apparently it's a thing in Australia. Uh, Harvey, who was living with her mother uh, in a neglected mansion, took a liking to Bryant for some reason. Uh, She allowed him to make regular visits to help feed her 14 dogs and 40 cats just in case you needed some confirmation that Harvey was a crazy person as well. Uh, Three years later, someone finally reported Harvey and her mother for their squalid living conditions, and when authorities came, they found that both Harvey and her mother were in need of some serious medical care and took them out of the house. Uh, Unfortunately, Harvey's mother ended up dying a few weeks later. Well, uh, the community, upon hearing this, came together, including uh, Martin Bryant's father, to clean everything in the mansion up and try to kind of restore it as best they could. Uh, Harvey then moved back into the mansion and invited Bryant to live with her as a place to kind of as a as a way to kind of replace her mother's presence because she's also weird. Uh, the two began spending all of the remaining lottery money money that they had, purchasing over thirty cars during a three year span. Uh, With his new living situation, Bryant was then reassessed for his disability pension and openly admitted to the social worker that he wanted to go around town and shoot people. And uh, although the inspector kind of recommended that Bryant's parents never let him out of their sight, nothing really changed. Like, that's what's great. Like, it's like, oh, you want to go around town and shoot people? Oh, he's just a harmless little crazy person. He's not going to really do that, is he? Nah, let's just leave him alone. Um, in 1991, Bryant and Harvey then moved to a farm where Bryant began patrolling the property with his air rifle, shooting at tourists whenever they stopped to buy apples at a stall across the highway. Uh, the next year, uh, Harvey was actually killed in a head-on collision. Uh, Bryant was in the passenger seat at the time and spent the next seven months in the hospital with severe head and neck injuries. It was a crazy, violent accident. Uh, Police investigated Bryant's role in the accident because many people knew that he had a propensity for leaning over and jerking the steering wheel out of people's hands. (laughs) Uh, I have to laugh about it because the story is just progressively going to get so much worse. Uh, He was ultimately cleared of any wrongdoing and as the sole beneficiary of Harvey's estate received over $550,000 in assets. Uh, Bryant's mother knew this was going to be a problem and quickly applied for and received a guardianship order, which then placed all of those assets under the management of a trustee. So Bryant couldn't just blow through them all. Additionally, his father, Maurice, uh, began taking care of the farm where Bryant now lived alone. Um, he also, uh, Bryant's father also started taking antidepressants and then transferred his bank account, uh, to his wife. And then two months later, Uh, A visitor to the farm found a note nailed to the front door saying, call the police. And two days later, uh, Bryant's father was found beneath a dam near the farmhouse with one of Bryant's weighted diving belts around his neck. Obviously, police ruled it a suicide and Bryant then inherited his father's superannuation fund, whatever that is, some probably some Australian thing. uh, But that was valued at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So following his father's death, Bryant then sold the farm and moved back into that original mansion that he initially lived in with Harvey. Uh, he began stressing really weird, uh, often going out in like linen suits with lizard skin shoes and a Panama hat. Um, however, all of this money that Bryant had couldn't fix the loneliness that he now felt with Harvey and his father gone. 
Uh, he began drinking heavily, going so far as to drinking half of a bottle of Sambuca, a full bottle of Bailey's Irish cream, and a port wine every single day. That's a lot. Um, by 1996, Bryant was becoming suicidal and really tired of just how other people were treating him, um, which was like a crazy person because he was. Um, <laughs> people laughed at his outfits wherever he went, as they should. Uh, he even tried to visit several countries just to get away, but he found that people in, you know, in foreign countries treated him just as poorly as they did in Tasmania, as they should. Any weirdo walking around in a linen suit with lizard skin boots and a Panama hat, you're weird. You're weird. Um, on April 28th, 1996, this is where the story really starts to go downhill. Uh, Bryant got up and visited uh, Seascape, which was this bed and breakfast owned by David and Sally Martin. Um, the Martins had swooped in and purchased the property, even though uh, Bryant's father had made it clear that he intended to buy it. And after the purchase, uh, Bryant's father often talked about how the Martins had screwed him over in this and believing that they had caused the depression that led to his father's suicide. Bryant showed up to this uh, bed and breakfast and shot both David and Sally Martin. Then after leaving Seascape, Bryant then traveled down to Port Arthur and walked into the Broad Arrow Cafe just to grab some breakfast, I guess. Uh, and when he was done eating, Bryant opened the large blue duffel bag he had brought with him and set up a video camera on the table next to him. He then reached into the bag, pulled out a semi-automatic rifle, and began shooting everyone inside the restaurant. In less than 15 seconds, just 15 seconds, 12 people were dead and 10 others were wounded. Uh, Bryant then walked over to the other side of the restaurant and killed eight more people. When he was done there, he ran out, hopped into his yellow Volvo 244 and sped away, uh, shooting and killing four more people as he drove off the property. Uh, a short distance down the road, Bryant saw a mother and her two children walking down on the side of the road and shot all of them. Uh, after stealing a different car, killing five more people and taking a hostage... Bryant then drove back to Seascape where he and his hostage locked themselves inside with uh, Sally and um, David Martin's corpses. Uh, police arrived a few minutes later, started trying to negotiate, and Bryant demanded to be transported by Army helicopter to an airport, I guess, to maybe get away. This really was not a well-thought-out plan. Um, when that request was denied, Bryant just straight-up killed the hostage. Uh, the next morning, Bryant then set Seascape on fire and tried to escape through the smoke, but uh, he, he really wasn't able to. He suffered burns on his back and was easily captured and taken to the hospital. Um, in all, 35 people dead, another 23 wounded by this mass shooting. Uh, after a two-week trial, Bryant was given 35 life sentences plus 1,652 years in prison just to make sure, I guess, he'd never escape in case some sort of, like, medical breakthrough allowed us to become immortal. Like, I just, I've talked about this before. I don't understand these crazy prison sentences where it's just like, give him a life sentence. That's all you got to do. You don't have to go 35 life sentences to be run consecutively. So 35 lifetimes, I don't know how that works unless he's going to be like reincarnated and we find this person and then throw them back into prison again for life. Like that doesn't work like that. And then you're going to throw 1600 more years on top of it. I don't know. Overkill. Um, <laughs> Bryant tried committing suicide twice, but failed. Of course he did. 
Uh, and in response to uh, this overall massacre, like I mentioned, the Australian government placed heavy restrictions on all firearms and held two different voluntary buybacks uh, in which an estimated one third of the country's stock of weapons was returned. And uh, as far as I know, no other like huge mass shooting has taken place in Australia since then. So something's working. Uh, our next story here uh, is of Michael Ryan, who was born in Hungerford, England on May 18th, 1960, to a 55-year-old man and the lunch lady at the local elementary school. Uh, when his father died in 1985, Ryan continued living uh, at home with his mother, with several people in the neighborhood commenting on how uncommonly close the two became. It was kind of a weird relationship. Uh, when he wasn't spending time with his mother, Ryan was off shooting guns. Uh, he had become really obsessed with guns. He carried licenses for seven different weapons. Seems a little bit much. Um, in October night or August 19th, 1987, for reasons that no one has really ever been able to explain, uh, Ryan went out to Savernick Forest and posted up in the woods as if he was hunting, which is not apparently what people do not do in Savernick Forest. Um, but rather than hunting for deer, whatever you hunt for in England, I don't even know if there are deer in England. I don't, I'm very ignorant when it comes to European wildlife and how it differs from American wildlife. Um, but he, uh, he ran out of the woods and pointed his gun at Susan Godfrey and her two kids. And after forcing her to put her kids in her car, he then marched Godfrey back into the woods and shot her 13 times in the back. And while police were responding to this murder, Ryan drove back toward Hungerford, Hungerford, stopped at a gas station to refuel, and then just shot the cashier. Uh, Fortunately, he missed and then walked back inside and tried to shoot her at point-blank range, but somehow missed again and hit the release on his gun, which dropped the magazine to the floor. So Ryan panicked at this point, and he left the gas station and drove home where he began loading his car with the rest of the guns and the ammo that he had. Um, he tried to leave to do more shooting, but the car failed to start, which, good timing there. Uh, in response, Ryan, sh- Ryan fired four shots into the side of the car before going back inside and shooting the family dog. I don't know why, it almost seems unnecessary. He then saturated the house with gasoline and set it on fire. And while the house burned, he then grabbed three guns from the trunk of his car and shot his neighbors, Roland and Sheila Mason. Uh, Without a car, but still needing to complete whatever mission he had just created for himself, Ryan started walking toward the town center, Hungerford Town Center, and shooting two more people along the way. Uh, When he came up to a family walking their dog, Ryan shot the man in the chest while the rest of the family ran off, but he just picked each one of them off as they ran away. Uh, Ryan... Then continued on and encountered a police officer, shot him four times in the chest and sent him crashing into a telephone pole. So shot him, shot the police officer while he was driving, uh, while the officer was driving. And then obviously dead officer crashes into a telephone pole. So he's got his accuracy back now. Um, After shooting the officer, Ryan shot at another car, hitting both people inside. Uh, He hit two more people in a different car, which sent it crashing into the police car that had hit the telephone pole. So he's causing all kinds of calamity. Uh, Ryan then walked down a residential side street and shot a man mowing his lawn. And then after shooting another man, Ryan opened fire on an ambulance that was responding to one of the other people that he shot and actually ended up hitting the paramedic inside. Meanwhile, Ryan's mother, uh, 
arrived home to see her house burning and just dead bodies strewn across. That's got to be like your worst nightmare as a mother. Like, you know, your kid's weird and you probably like joke to your closest friend, just like, oh, man, oh, I'm every day. I wonder if I'm going to come home and there's just going to be dead bodies all over the yard. And then this woman comes home and <laughs> just dead bodies everywhere. And she's like, Michael, oh, what have you done now? Uh, so she, she eventually sees Ryan armed standing at the door and Ryan just shoots her several times and kills her. So she's dead. She's bleeding out in the driveway. And as that's going on, Ryan's neighbor, Betty Tolliday ran out of her house and started scolding Ryan for making so much noise. That's to me, that's hilarious. Like this dude, like he's caused like three or four car accidents on the street He's shot a, like a, like a dozen people at this point. And this woman comes out. I might go. Why are you making so much noise out here? Keep it down. I'm trying to sleep. Blam. And then he shoots her because of course he would. Um, where, where are we at? Uh, although police were highly aware of what was going on at this point, uh, they still had not been able to get to Ryan's neighborhood. They did, however, uh, have time to scramble a helicopter to track his movements as he ran, uh, continued to run towards Hungerford's town center. When he got there, Ryan shot at least 10 other people while police tried to evacuate them from the buildings, which I don't get that. Like police were spending more time like trying to evacuate all of the buildings in the town center rather than just like posting up and blasting him. Like, as he walked into the town center. It's a weird strategy to me. Um, but after walking through the town center, Ryan came to a main road, uh, shot a driver as they passed by. He then broke into a house and shot both residents and their neighbor. He then continued down the road, shot another driver, which caused them to crash into a parked car. Uh, after shooting another man as he worked in his garden, Ryan then broke into John O'Gaunt Community Technical Community College uh, and barricaded himself in a classroom. Police uh, quickly surrounded the building while Ryan shot at the helicopters circling the campus. Um, honestly, though, that would have been pretty cool if Ryan would have been able to shoot a helicopter out of the sky. He didn't, but would have been pretty cool um, in all of this. Uh, police, uh, although police tried to negotiate with Ryan to come out, he did eventually uh, shoot himself in the head with his pistol. Uh, and then just before killing himself, uh, Ryan said this quote, Hungerford must be a bit of a mess. I wish I had stayed in bed. That's that sounds like a crazy person. Um, in all, 16 people died and 15 more were injured. And then with Ryan dead, the biggest question that was remaining was why on earth it took so long for police to get involved. And the investigators eventually found out that Hungerford's telephone system had become overloaded with all of the emergency calls that, you know, and the system was also under renovation at times. So it wasn't fully operating. Uh, it also didn't help that most of the force was actually in the middle of a training session, 40 miles away. And there were only a couple of officers on duty at that time to help. So that just made that entire situation worse. And that is the end of our stories. All right, so let's talk about gun control because I think 
if you if you just take a very common sense approach to it, there there's there's clearly an issue, at least in America. Um, first of all, and I, and I want to get this out of the way, and I want to make sure that everyone hears me. I fully support your right to own a gun. All right. Keyword there. Uh, a gun. All right. Do you need a whole arsenal of weapons? No, no, you don't. All right. Uh, but, but John, I like to go hunting. Cool, bro. Cool. Fine. Have a shotgun. Maybe have like 30 out six or something, you know, whatever. Get you, get you a crossbow. All right. But you don't need, you don't need like a Barrett 50 cal sniper rifle. Right. You don't need an AR 15. What are you doing? You going Rambo in the woods to Bambi and all of his family? Probably not. Yeah. You don't need it. You don't need it. Um, but I, I get, I get that there is a lot of paranoia. Uh, people don't feel safe. Um, even though the overwhelming majority of people have never had anything actually bad happen to them. But if you, if you feel like you need a gun to keep yourself and your house safe from all of the crime that's always happening, go for it. I believe in your right to own a gun. All right. You don't need an entire cabinet full. You don't. You don't. Um, all that being said, all right, I own a gun. I do. Um, it is, it is not, it's not like a, a real gun. It's like a BB gun. All right. But it looks like a real gun. It looks just like a real gun. All right. It looks so much like a real gun that if I brandish it at a police officer, I'm getting shot a hundred percent, a thousand percent getting shot if an officer sees that gun from a distance. All right. And I know what you're thinking, how's that even possible? BB guns are supposed to have an orange tip on them to show that they're not real guns. Well, I got my gun at Myrtle beach, which is exactly the kind of place you go to get like very questionable items like that. All right. But it's a BB gun and it's, you know, CO2, you know, air pistol or whatever, and it will get the job done. All right. Let's say, God forbid that, uh, someone tries to break into my house. All right. Let's imagine it together. All right. Close your eyes unless you're driving. Don't do that. But imagine someone breaks into my house. I'll even paint the scene for you. All right. I'm in a nice little cul-de-sac, my house on the left, very blue, kind of a, kind of a turquoise blue, maybe a teal blue. I don't get, I don't know the difference between teal and turquoise. I always get them confused. It's one of those two. All right. Nice, uh, two story, a frame, very nice. Got a single car garage on the right side, small concrete path leading up to a coral colored door on the left. All right. Um, you know, opens the, the storm door opens then the, the coral front door because we had somehow for some reason left it unlocked before we went to bed. And this, uh, intruder enters into the foyer. All right. The staircase immediately leading up to our bedroom up on the right side, living room directly in front of you. Right. Also, why is your intruder black in this scenario? Why? Why are you imagining someone who's black? Are you racist? What's going on there? Anyway, I like I just that's a fun social experiment. Um, (laughs) But, you know, this intruder probably on meth, if we're being honest or crack, 
um, goes into the living room and starts looking around for valuables. We don't have any, all right? Like, we're doing fine. Just nothing of value to steal, or at least that's easy to steal. But here's the thing. Unbeknownst to this intruder, I have heard their entrance, and I hear them rifling down the stairs. I have already called the police, but I'm about to take this into my own hands because, ah, whatever. I don't care. I will either become a national sensation, I'll get my 15 minutes of fame, or I'm dead. Either way. Win-win situation. And so I grab my BB gun, my little air pistol, and I go down the stairs. And I cut on the lights, and now this intruder and I, we see each other. Intruder sees me holding a gun, a gun. Has no idea in that moment that it's an air pistol, all right? Um, will probably not know unless I fire it at him, but that's probably not going to happen. All right. You have to really escalate a situation in order for shots to start firing. I don't think people realize the, the reality behind that. All right. Here's the other thing. All right. The majority of people do not know what it feels like to be shot. All right. And in that high pressure situation, your adrenaline is pumping. Even if I do shoot this guy, he is going to think as the adrenaline is pumping that he has truly been shot with a real gun. He's not going to know that it was an air pistol until I pistol whip him with it and then laugh in his face like <laughs> dummy. Anyway, all right. That's so that's why that's why I own a gun. Here's the other reason. All right. You are roughly, I think, like uh, two-thirds more likely to use your gun here. Let's talk about um, let's talk about some statistics here. All right. Um, do, 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 do. Department of Justice did a study, yes, that showed that two-thirds of people who end up using a gun usually just end up using it on themselves. All right. And for every justified shooting whether it's an intruder or whatever the case is, there are 100 suicides by gunshot, all right? So for every 100 shots that are fired or fatal shots that are fired, 99 of them are suicides, huh? So here's the thing about that, all right? Sometimes I get a little sad, all right? Sometimes, sometimes I get a little case of the depressed, all right? I'm not saying I'm going to kill myself. I just don't want that temptation. All right. If it's there, you know, I'm kidding, of course. But that's there's that's another legitimate reason, though, as to why eh, no reason to, to, to own a gun. Eh, why go down that path? <laughs> why even look down that path if I don't have to? All right. So other than that. All right. Let's see what we learned today. What did we learn? Number one, the Port Arthur Massacre, uh, one of, if not the worst, mass shooting in Australian history, uh, ended up leading uh, to some serious gun reform. And now things in Australia have actually been pretty nice. All right. Uh, number two, don't go out in public with a linen suit, lizard skin boots, and a Panama hat. You look ridiculous and people are going to make fun of you. All right. 
Uh, and number three, hey, local police stations. If you're going to run training, make sure that you have enough of your force to respond to a mass shooting, especially in America, because it's it's happening like every day. Next week on Our Weird World, if you're not super offended, I don't think I was very offensive in my gun control stance, right? Like, I said I support your right to own a gun, you know? No one's going to take your guns from you, either forcibly. They might offer to buy them back for you, from you, but they're not going to take them, all right? And even if they did, who cares, all right? That's the funny thing. I, I love these people who are like, it's it my second amendment right to own a gun. And not, you know, because it's like, oh yeah, we're going to rise up and we're going to fight back the government when they become a dictator. And like, no, you're not, dude. All right. We have drones. Drones don't give, don't care about your little guns. All right. You can have a whole arsenal of guns at that point. Drones can shoot missiles at you. And a missile even better than a gun. All right. So fine. The government does not care how many guns you own, at least at this point. They might if all these dummies out there keep shooting everybody. All right. That, that's how that's how we're going to get them taken away, you guys. All right. It's the same thing as when we were in elementary school. All right. You had that one kid who wouldn't shut up in class, kept talking. And then all of a sudden now we're all having a silent lunch because of that one little turd who wouldn't shut up, all right? That's what it's going to be if you don't stop shooting people, all right? Anyway, they're still not going to take all of your guns. They may just put a cap on how many you're legally allowed to own. And even then, if they do that, people are still going to own all of the illegal guns anyway. Who cares? It's not gonna. It's not an issue, you guys. Anyway, where are we at next week? On our weird world, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some more serial killers. All right, a little serial killer sampler. Uh, gonna just sprinkle some of these episodes in moving forward because there's a ton of them. All right, and we're gonna talk about three. Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, Caetano Santos Godinho, so another Latin American South American killer to get real upset about his sentence with. Uh, we're also going to look at the story of Bella Kiss and Manuel Delgado Villegas. And so uh, three fun serial killer stories there. And uh, probably, I think, pretty straightforward episode. Nothing super crazy, but uh, all the fun nonetheless. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you for listening. Keep telling all your friends and keep it weird.